All right, friends, welcome to the midweeks. I've had a little bit of a break, and I apologize for that, but hey, we're in 1 Kings 6, and this is when the uh, temple gets built, more or less. And what we're going to be looking for here is um, thematic things. It's just a building record, and in one sense, you know, how many times would you ever just open up blueprints and be excited about it? But they tell the story in a way that we're meant to hear meaning through how this story is told. And what we're going to look for is we're going to look for echoes to previous stories in the Old Testament, as well as we're going to look at the numbers at the beginning and the end of this chapter. But let's go for it. In the 480th year after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. Now, look at that number 480. That's 480 since they came out of Egypt. And, you know, it's often interesting to do kind of division when you come to a big number there. That is the number 40 multiplied by 12, correct? 480 is 12 times 40. And it references coming out of Egypt. Now, what happened with coming out of Egypt and 40 years? Okay, so... That was the amount of time that Israel was in a wandering around in the desert for their failure to go into the land, 40 years. And the number 12 is a symbolic number. It corresponds to the 12 tribes of Israel, even though there's actually 13 tribes. But Levi isn't considered a full tribe because they're sanctified and set apart for service to God. And so it's 40 years of wandering times the 12 tribes of Israel equals 480 years. And they mention Egypt, which gives you a, a hint that you're supposed to be thinking that way. And as they build the temple, this is, in one sense, it's it's symbolic of finally arriving. Um, they wandered 40 years before they entered the Promised Land, but now that this permanent temple, this permanent building of worship, is being built, this is the you know the big sign. We we're here. Our roots are down. It's taken 480 years of wandering in one sense, uh, but now we're finally home, 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 and the Lord is getting his permanent house in Israel. And so I think that that's kind of what's going on with this symbolic number. And uh, the Old Testament writers like symbolic numbers because it helps them see meaning and purpose and order in history and God's rule over history you know when you go back to the first chapter of Genesis God doesn't just go blah and all of creation's out there they describe it as him taking him his time the first three days he makes room the second three days he fills up the building and he takes a week to do it and then this seven day week is a reminder of God's orderly creation and so they look for God using time to communicate a sense of rule and sovereignty and order. And this four t 40 times 12 time frame um, gives a sense of God ruling over when this happens and saying, hey, your years of wandering are done because my house is coming to completion. Or at least uh, it started. My house has started. Verse 2, the house that King Solomon built for the Lord was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits high, and 30 cubits sorry, 20 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house, and 10 cubits deep in the front of the house. 
and he made for the house windows with recessed frames. He also built a structure against the wall of the house, running around the walls of the house, both the nave and the inner sanctuary, and he made side chambers all around. The lowest story was five cubits broad, the middle one was six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits broad. For around the outside of the house, he made offsets in the walls in order that the supporting beam should not be inserted into the walls of the house. Okay, so I'm not an architect here. And so this uh, commenting on the construction, I'm going to be pretty weak in it. And I'm sure there are books that will have uh, people with more research who can help describe this stuff. But what I want to point out is that as we're building the temple, this is meant to be like a reminder of the building of the tabernacle in the book of Exodus, which is meant to be a reminder of the building of Noah's Ark in Genesis. When we have these uh, building projects that are measured out and the measurements are shared, this really is meant to be like enjoying that God is with the people of God. God's presence was with Noah and he built a house of salvation in the ark. God's presence with, was with Moses and they built a traveling house, a tabernacle for the desert. God's presence is with Solomon. Excuse me, my screen just died here. God's presence is with Solomon, and they're going to take their time to describe the measurements of the ark here. Sorry, I just got to get my password. There we go. See, I'm trying to save energy and save the environment, and it just turns off my computer. All right. And, and I think it also echoes back to just Genesis 1, where God is an orderly builder of the cosmos, and when his people get to work on his behalf, they are orderly builders. Verse 7, when the house was built, it was the stone prepared at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being built. And I think that's the sign of like the peace of God being there. The construction site wasn't this chaotic mess. It was actually, they did their work elsewhere, so when they were putting it together, it actually seemed like worshipful and orderly. Verse 8. The entrance of the lowest story was on the south side of the house, and one went by the stairs to the middle story, and from the middle story to the third. So he built the house and finished it, and he made the ceiling of the house of beams and planks of cedar, which is a great wood because it doesn't rot. And he built the structures against the whole house five cubits high, and it was joined to the house with timbers of cedar. Now... So this is kind of showing the completion. The roof is built here. Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you are building. If you walk in my statutes and obey my rules and keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will establish my word with you, which I spoke to David your father. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. Now they stop there as they've kind of completed um, the building portion with the wood and the stones and the height. Maybe corresponding to the first three days of creation as God creates space in the world for him that he's going to fill in with creatures and living things. Um, and it, we stop to hear God speak to Solomon, which confirms afresh that this is about relationship. The building isn't an object of worship. It's the God who's worshipped that makes the building special. And Jesus would say that too, right? It's not the gold on the altar that makes it special. It's actually the altar of God that makes the gold special. I'm paraphrasing a bit there. So in the middle of this, God intervenes to say, hey, this is about our relationship, and it's about a covenant relationship of obedience. I'll be faithful to you as you are faithful to me. Verse 14. 
So they're going to complete now the description of the creation of the temple. And this is going to have a lot more to do with the, uh, the filling, the covering things with gold and filling it with the cherubim. So Solomon built the house and finished it. He lined the walls of the house on the inside with boards of cedar. And from the floor of the house to the walls of the ceiling, he covered them on the inside with wood. And he covered the floor of the house with boards of cypress. He built 20 cubits of the rear of the house with boards of cedar from the floor to the walls, and he built this with all the inner sanctuary as the most holy place. So this is where the Ark of the Covenant's going to go, the Holy of Holies, where God's presence is going to be hidden away in holiness from the exterior of the temple and the place where only the high priest is going to be allowed to go. The house that is the nave in front of the inner sanctuary was 40 cubits long, and the cedar within the house was carved in the form of gourds and open flowers all was cedar no stone was seen so they've covered up the stone of the temple with living things this is so again i, I think there's like an echo here to the uh, book of genesis where god opens up all this space in the first three days but then he starts filling it with these plants you know he makes the trees to grow on the second half of the first day so i think there's some correspondence here god solomon makes this space and then even though the trees have been processed, he starts hiding the dead stone with uh, processed wood, which was alive. Verse 19. The inner sanctuary he prepared in the innermost part of the house to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high, and he overlaid it with pure gold. He also overlaid an altar of cedar. Okay, so you have this inner sanctuary that's a perfect square that's, again, meant to represent a kind of perfection, and it's all covered with gold, which would have been their most expensive and valuable uh, material right there, so a symbol of honor, royalty, and holiness, so a perfect square of gold on the inside, uh, a fitting place for the perfect God to dwell. Not holy, because God fills all things, and Solomon will say that in a later chapter. You can't put God in a box. But if you're going to make a box, so to speak, with the temple, which is a box, it ought to be have perfectly proportioned dimensions and be covered with um, the most valuable honoring thing you have. Verse 21. And Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, and he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary and overlaid it with gold. And he overlaid the whole house with gold until all the house was finished, and also the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary was overlaid with gold. Again, a symbol of royalty, worship, and honor. And also, you know, when the sun's up, it would look pretty blinding, too. Verse 23. In the inner sanctuary he made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high, and five cubits was the length of one wing of the cherub, and five cubits was the length of the other wing of the cherub. It was ten cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. The other cherubim also measured ten cubits. Both cherubim had the same measure and the same form. The height of one cherub was ten cubits, and, was, and so was that of the other cherub. He put the cherubim in the innermost part of the house. The wings of the cherubim were spread out so that a wing of one touched the one wall, and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall. Other, Their other wings touched each one in the middle of the house, and he overlaid all the cherubim with gold. Okay, so this harkens back. Harkens, who says that? This reminds us of the tabernacle where cherubim uh, were woven into the purple cloth that surrounded 
in Hempel. It also reminds us of the uh, angel that the Lord positioned outside of Eden when Adam and Eve were driven out of the Garden of Eden in order to protect them from the holiness of God and from the Tree of Life so that they didn't eat it and remain in a state of sin forever. But these cherubim symbolize the holiness of God. These are these angelic defenders of God's holiness and they're made so big that as they spread their wings, which is a symbol of like heavenliness, uh, creatures that dwell in the heavens above the earth, um, they fill it. They touch both sides of this square structure. So God's holiness is not represented with an idol of God. Instead, his ark is in there, which you remember uh, holds the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So it holds the covenant. God is a God of covenant. He's a God of relationship. And so in the holiest place on earth is not an idol of a creature, which would be an insult to God, but instead is a remembrance of the relationship he's made with people. And the thing that is in there are created angels, which are defenders and proclaimers of God's holiness. Verse 29, around all the walls of the house he carved engraved figures of cherubim and palm trees and open flowers in the inner and outer rooms. The floor of the house was overlaid with gold in the inner and outer rooms. So you have more artwork there to depict, I think, the Garden of Eden, palm trees, flowers, and these angels. So it's like a picture of heaven and earth. It's a picture of the Garden of Eden. So when you come into the temple, it's it's a return to um, true relationship with God, which I think would remind us of that 48 sorry, 480 years, the 40 years of wandering times 12 and this return to home being the idea of the temple. This is where God's found a home and Israel is home. And so these symbolic pictures of Eden on the inside of the temple is, is a way of saying like, hey, we've come to heaven on earth. We've come to paradise in the temple. Verse 31, for the entrance of the inner sanctuary, he made doors of olive wood the lintel, which I don't even know what that is, and the doorposts were five-sided. I don't know why it says that. He covered the two doors of lintel olive wood with carvings of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. He overlaid them with gold and spread gold on the cherubim and all the palm trees. So also he made the entrance of the nave doorposts of olive wood in the form of a square and two doors of cypress wood. The two leaves from the one door were folding, and the two leaves of the other door were folding. On them he carved cherubim and palm trees and open flowers, and he overlaid them with gold, evenly applied on the carved work. He built the inner court of the three courses of cut stone and one course of cedar beams. Okay, so there's a bunch of doors which would separate the different rooms, and they also have all this symbolic imagery of uh, heaven on earth, of paradise, of, of angelic presence in a beautiful creation. And then we're going to wrap things up here. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. So this takes us right back to the beginning chapter. And at the eleventh year, in the month of Bool, in which the eighth is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its parts and according to all its specifications. He was seven years in building it. So we end with another symbolic number. The number seven is the amount of days that God took to make creation, remember? And Solomon took that amount of time in years, seven days for the first creation of uh, earth made from heaven, and now seven years in creating this heaven on earth, the temple of God in the midst of Israel. And now, 
Of course, as New Testament believers, we know that God doesn't dwell in a house of stones. He's improved it by sending his spirit into the church so that he dwells in living stones who are being built together into a living temple of the Lord that loves him and keeps his commandments and receives angelic visitations to support the saints. We don't come to a building filled with angels. We are served by angels because we are God's building. And this is our hope, the improvement of uh, the, the church over the temple. And we await Jesus to return and to make all of heaven and earth his temple, which he dwells in with us, God's people, forever and ever. And amen.